have your uh, Bibles, we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4 for a few minutes this afternoon. We want to think about understanding growth and biblical change. So we said one of the... Uh, one of the commitments that we're making as we uh, profess faith in Christ is we're making a commitment to continue to grow in Christ, grow in our walk with Christ, to grow and change, to be conformed more and more to His image. And so I want to just give four, four observations about growth and change out of Ephesians chapter 4. We've talked about this subject a good bit. Um, there's a lot of, in the Christian world, a lot of misconceptions about how this takes place, about how we ought to think about it. Um, and so hopefully these, these will be an encouragement to you, maybe be convicting to you, um, helpful in some way. So Ephesians chapter 4. I guess I just want to start reading in verse 22, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, in relation to putting on Christ, being taught in Christ, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, or you put off concerning the former way of life, manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, I'm not going to go through and try to give a detailed blow-by-blow of what the text is saying. I'm, I'm giving four big-picture observations based on understanding growth and change, not just from this passage, but primarily from this passage, but from Scripture as a whole. Um, sometimes, sometimes whenever we start to think about these kinds of subjects, particularly growing and changing and maturing and those kinds of things, um, we can uh, maybe have a little bit of a cynical attitude or just a sigh of, I've been at this for a long time and I have not made near the progress I was hoping I would make. Um, sometimes people can get to the place to where they, they, um, they think, well, you know, there, there are some people out there who are changing. There are some people out there who are growing, but it's certainly not me. I'm, for whatever reason, haven't been able to make the progress that I was expecting to make, hoping to make. Sometimes people have this idea that, well, 
You know, we carry around the flesh and the flesh is just winning out all the time. It's just too strong. It's too much. Well, here's my first observation I want to make about growing and changing from a biblical perspective. Okay, number one observation is this. Scripture does not have a cynical view of Christians growing and changing. Okay? Scripture doesn't have a defeatist view. Scripture expects that we're going to, that we're, we're going to be and that we can be growing and changing if we're seeking to do it God's way. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18, the very last thing Peter says is grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I'm confident of this, that, that God is going to complete the work that He started in you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23-24, the prayer is that God would sanctify you wholly. That is, that He would continue His work and bring it to completion. And Paul, in the letter to the Ephesians, would give some similar encouragement. So, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says this about the one who's been brought from death to life in Christ. He says, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You were created to grow in good works, to walk in good works. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And and then he goes through and he talks about the fact that he ascended, led captivity captive, and so forth and so on. And and then he says he gave gifts to men. And verse 12 tells us the reason that he gave gifts to men was for the perfecting of the saints, that is, the maturing of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, or the building up of the body of Christ. What's the point? Well, the point out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is you were created for this purpose, okay, for good works that you would walk therein. It's just another way of saying that you were created to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to, 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 to be conformed to Christ's likeness. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 7, and, and you could really go down to verse 16. Not only have you been created for this, but you've been placed in a body specifically for this kind of help. Now, we gather together as a body for corporate worship, and that's for sure. But verse 7 says that each member of the body has been gifted. Okay? They've been given a gift that is really given by grace, measured out by Christ. And it's for the maturing of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body. So this isn't just for, uh, obviously, this isn't just for uh, 
for Lily. This is for all of us. Scripture does not have a cynical view of Christians growing in spiritual maturity. And if you have a cynical view about growth and maturity, part of what needs to happen is your mind needs to be renewed and you need to repent. If you live your life like a spiritual Eeyore, walking around with your head down, thinking, well, people out there somewhere grow, but it sure isn't me, then you're living a life in a mindset that denies the power of Christ that's at work in you. You realize everyone who has been brought from death to life according to the end of chapter 1 going into chapter 2, that we possess resurrection power in Christ. In other words, the same power that brought Him up from the dead is the same power that brought you from spiritual death to life. And that power is at work in you. According to Ephesians chapter 3, verse um, 20. So, we ought to have a positive view of growth. Now, we've got to have a realistic view in the sense of... Um, We've talked about this out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Growth is incremental, one degree of glory to another, small changes, but growth is consistent. It should be consistent. Growth is possible. Growth is what ought to be happening. It ought to be the norm. All right, number two, change and growth is a personal specific, moment-by-moment choice that you make. Change in growth is a personal, specific, moment-by-moment choice, or we could say response, that you make. Now, here's what I mean by that. For the Christian, there is no aha moment where somehow your desire for sin melts away and never comes back. You may have victory over sin today and be tempted very heavily with the same sin tomorrow. There is no permanently putting sin to death until you're glorified. But when I say that, I guess I should say there's no permanently putting temptation to death until you're glorified. Okay, We're going to be tempted. So growth is happening in the moment. And growth is war. Okay? It's war. It's an ongoing war. There's not a one-time choice that eradicates struggles and temptations. It's a lifetime of repentance and faith. A lifetime of turning from sin, turning to Christ. Another way of saying this, is number one, growth is not passive. Okay, and We're talking about growth here. We're talking about the kind of growth that comes from us turning from sin and turning to Christ or turning from unrighteousness and turning to righteousness. You're not going to be passive in that. That's something that we are active in. Now, Philippians chapter 2, you know the balance here. 
Verses 12 and 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So God is working in you both the desire and the ability to do his pleasure. But you're the one who's acting in that. So you make the decisive act and God gives you the strength. It's a cooperative effort as far as growth and sanctification goes. So if we were reading Ephesians 4.25 down, um, we could read it like this. You could translate it this way and it would be in line with the text. You stop yourself from lying and you choose to speak truth. You want to know how liars turn into become truth tellers? How liars are transformed into truth tellers? They choose to stop lying and they choose to start telling the truth. Now there's some renewal of the mind that goes on and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But it doesn't just happen because one day they woke up and they forgot how to tell a lie. It's because they put that to death. Or we could go to verse 26. You keep your anger from escalating to sin. And if it does, you choose to seek forgiveness and reconciliation as soon as possible. You keep yourself from stealing and you choose to work and to give to those who are in need. Verse 29, you keep corrupt talk from coming out of your mouth and you choose to speak in a way that edifies and ministers grace to the hearer. Or you choose to allow all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice to be put away by choosing to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. There are all, all kinds of all kinds of popular ideas that fly in the face of this kind of reality. Um, letting go and letting God. As it relates to you, that's never an option. If God has called you to do something and He's empowered you with the Spirit to do it, so if you have strife and conflict in your life or if you recognize that you are a habitual liar, the solution for that is never, I've just got to let go and let God. It's I've got to start repenting. And I've got to start believing. And I've got to start walking in righteousness. Because I have been brought from death to life in Christ Jesus, but I also know that He's created me unto good works that I should walk therein. So, change and growth is a personal, specific, moment-by-moment choice that you and I make. When we find ourselves in habitual sin where we're falling in the same area again and again and again and again, brothers and sisters, temptation is difficult. Temptation can be very, very difficult. Heavy, but there's never a scenario 
where the born-again believer sins where they didn't choose to sin. There's never a scenario where the born-again believer repents where they didn't choose to repent. Okay, This is an act of the will. Obviously, it is empowered by the Spirit, but it's not passive. Number three, based on this text, the motivation, this is the renewal part, The motivation for change and growth throughout this section in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 down, um, is responding to temptation in light of the reality that you've been united to Christ and you've been united to one another. And we'll point that out here in just a second. This, this, uh, there's a doctrinal understanding that motivates the practical turning. Okay, so understanding and embracing doctrine is the key to renewing your mind. Okay, growth and change happens not just as you, um, as you read more, but as you understand and as you embrace doctrinal realities in Scripture. So one of the things that we can see from Ephesians chapter 4, 25 and down, and this is, um, this is consistent with all these examples, there is no such thing as a sin that only affects you. That, that's one of the motives that's being laid out in, in each of these renewal statements that we find in this section. There's no such thing as a sin that only affects you. That just doesn't exist. Our sin has ripple effects. Our sin can grieve the spirit. Our sin can tear down the body. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, what's the motivating factor? What's the renewal doctrine that we need in our minds? At least the one that he points out when he says, uh, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for or because we are members one of another. Stop lying. Start speaking truth. Why? Because we are members of each other. We are part of the same body. We are part of the body of Christ. You say, well, that seems random. Why would he say that? There's a lot of other things that he could have put in there for not lying, but why would he say that? Well, I want you to think about what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, when he talks about the body growing up into him in all things. He says, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. How is it that we're going to help facilitate growth in one another? By being committed to speaking truth in love. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, 
Put away lying. Why? Because you're part of the body. Why? Because if you are part of the body and you are speaking lies, then you're really tearing down what Christ is trying to build up. Christ's purpose for this body, and I'm talking about specific members here, body as a whole, is that we would grow up into our head. When we lie to one another, or I should say, when we refuse to speak truth and love to one another, we are actively fighting against Christ's agenda for this body. That's a big deal. Okay? That's the renewal statement, the doctrinal statement that Paul is giving. Uh, Verse 27, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Or verse 26, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Okay, what's what's the motivation that he gives? Satan is looking for an opportunity to have the advantage over you. And if you're a Christian, you're the only one who can allow him to have that. Sometimes people see a lot of destructive things going on. They see Christians who are at each other's throats. They see conflict. And they say, you know, Satan, he is busy. He is busy. And it's true, he is. But if the Holy Spirit resides in you, the only person who can let Satan have a foothold on you is you. And that is by walking in the flesh rather than walking in the Spirit. Now, you don't have any control over whether or not He tempts you, but you do have control on whether or not you're going to take the bait. And what Paul is saying here, and and you see this again and again and again and again, what Paul is saying here, and we're thinking about the body now, Um. Be angry and sin not. Don't let your anger move into unrighteous, sinful anger. And if it does, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Or it's just another way of saying, resolve it quickly. Resolve it as soon as you can. And in a church body, when you have conflict that goes unresolved... In the moment, it just makes it just seems easier. It's just easier to do this. But if we're looking behind the curtain at the spiritual reality, when we allow unresolved conflict to exist, we're opening the door wide open and saying, Come on in, Satan. Come on in. You see, we need our minds renewed because we almost never think that way, do we? I mean, that's typically not my first thought. But that's the reality. And we could go through and, and, uh, and we could hit every one of those. Why shouldn't you steal? Because Christ has called you to serve. That's why. Um, why is it that we ought to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving? Because God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. 
If we could, if we could just get a glimpse of what all we've been given in Christ, the magnitude of the forgiveness. Why should we be concerned about edifying things coming out of our mouth? Because the words that we choose to speak have the power to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's why. So the motivation for change and growth in this section is responding to temptation in light of the fact that you've been united to Christ and you've been united to one another and there is no such thing as a sin or ongoing immaturity that doesn't affect the whole body. Okay. And then number four. Number four. Growth and change does not happen in isolation. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. This is why He gave gifts for the perfecting of the saints, verse 12, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, and then verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's the goal? The goal is not that just you. The goal is that we all, that no one left behind, no big eyes and small U's, we all come to full maturity in Christ. You see this again in verse 16. It talks about, speaking truth and love, that we would grow up unto Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. That's verse 15. Verse 16 says, "...from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love." So we've talked about this before, but... The body, okay, Christ is building His church, but there's also a sense in which the body is building itself up. That is, each member contributing, supplying what they've been given in Christ to provide encouragement, to provide accountability, to provide um, comfort, to provide admonishment, to provide rebuke, and to provide whatever else is needed. We think about all the one another's. We're called to serve one another, to carry each other's burdens, to bear with each other, to encourage each other, to stir one another up toward love and to good works. Growth happens in a body, and it happens as we intentionally interact with one another. And so, brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you this afternoon Number one, growth is possible for you if you're in Christ. But growth is not passive. And growth is not just pragmatic. And growth certainly doesn't happen in isolation. It happens as we, in the moment, turn from sin 
and turn to Christ. It happens as we put off the old man, have our minds renewed and put on the new. As we replace our unrighteous thoughts with righteous, our unrighteous actions and motives with righteous. And then it takes place as we live that out in a body that has been supplied with gifts given by grace, measured out by Christ, so that the body would build itself up in love. And so may we be serious, not just about understanding growth and change, but may we be serious about our own walk and growth in Christ and then committed to one another to encourage, to admonish all the other one another's that the body may edify itself in love. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank You that You have given us uh, Scripture and that You've made so many things uh, clear and available to us. Father, we're thankful for the, uh, the ability that You've given us to grow, the hope that You've given us in growth, that You'll complete that which You've begun. And Father, we're thankful that You've placed us in a body that we have encouragement, that we have um, admonishment, that we have just different gifts used in different ways at different times. And so I pray you would bless us to be active in pursuing growth in Christ likeness. I also pray you would bless us to be attentive to our brothers and sisters, helping where we have opportunity, speaking truth in love. Lord, I pray that You would bless us to be serious about our own walk with You, that we might, number one, bring honor and glory to You, but number two, that we might be able to help our brothers and sisters as well. We thank You for Your mercy and for Your grace. We thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would bless us to live for Your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.